Good morning. I am Mike Overstreet. I am the director of growth groups here, and we are going to be continuing our series, Jesus Wept, this week. And we are going to be talking about one of the harder issues to talk about in our country, which is race. Um, in this series, we've been exploring the things that break God's heart, and we've been talking about how do we respond to that. And quite frankly, when you hear passages like the one we just heard, the church has struggled with issues of racial divide since it formed, since Paul called together a community of Jewish and Gentile believers and had to struggle with what it looks like for them to live in unity in the midst of diversity. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's going to be a little different. Um, it's going to look a little different. Obviously, to some degree, me getting on a stage and preaching um, about issues of race by myself would be problematic. <laughs> but <laughs> we wanted to do it in a way that showed and honored the dialogue that E3 has committed to, which is that we as a church believe that it is our responsibility to have hard conversations, to listen to one another, and to share with each other in community these hard things that we struggle to grapple with. So that is what Royce and I are going to do today. Um, we're going to have a, a dialogue. He's going to mix in some of his own music that will talk about his own experience. And we are just going to model what it looks like to have a hard conversation and hopefully learn a little something from God. Sound good? So. Hello, hello, hello. It's Royce. So when Royce and I were meeting this week, one of the things that um, him and I were talking about was about five years ago, you said that you had a couple of experiences that kind of changed the way you thought about yourself and made you reevaluate a lot of your life and how you learned what you didn't even know you would learn and yeah. kind of opened you to this topic. So I'd like to ask you, what what was that? I mean, yeah, uh, well, I, I got this. I don't have a lot of time, so I want to jump into like this song that I'll do a cappella, so to kind of come off more like a poem. But uh, that's real personal. Uh, about five years ago, I just really started asking myself these really some a lot of the questions weren't just hard they were kind of simple um because something hit me and it made me just reevaluate and it made me and sh shined light on ways that i felt and things that i struggled with that i never knew i struggled with so um let's just i'm gonna just jump into it that's cool yeah all right cool so uh i never asked my brother why he sold dope i already knew didn't need to know I'm dropping stuff. <laughs> I never asked my brother why he's so dope. I already knew. Didn't need to know. Hated watching my mom go to work from seven to four just to get off that job to go hustle some more. Selling produce for white folks. And now I got to go to school and deal with black jokes. Embarrassed, plus my mama working in the office, yo. And did I mention she ain't stopped there? Her and grandma in the kitchen baking to the sun flares. Hot cakes and pies for them same folks. Oh, dear. And Royce, you better not touch Nan. Nowhere. Nor that good fruit. You better get a knife and cut those spots out. Now, who knew that would be the reason I hate spotted fruit in my house? I want the best cup and taste the best fruit right now. And plus, my pop's working for the city five to five. So he stays sleeping when he's not. He's praying for some overtime, man. Adults don't think kids can see through the smoke, the uh, lies we tell to keep moving and to cope. So how you ask this fourth grader to pay attention when he know that worth more than the algebra you mentioned? And your heroes in history ain't my color. If I can't get paid now, then why bother? With this science or this geograph, 
Plus, I'm trying to dress fresh so these kids won't laugh. I never asked my brother why he's so dope. I already knew, didn't need to know. With everybody working, where's the time going? Everybody chasing money, who's gonna teach me how to hold it? No one, that's who, because they didn't know how either. Most of them was born and work and they didn't have no teachers. Most of them needed hope, so they relied on preachers. And that's how you forget God and you see real evil. My mom gave that church 30 years. A new pastor came in and then they locked the doors on her. I'm thinking folks knew her 30 years. Let that happen and then they called the cops on her? The only logical answer is they had no melodin. So you're only friends unless you look like them? Mom said, stay focused, rock shows. I'm on tour backstage, I got in the news and froze. Wanted to leave overseas and come home having pictures of burning sunny morning lessons, Nat Turner. How the people I love turn their back on her. I wish I had more money for mama. Man, what do I want? Is it money or is it time? Can I pick a currency that I could pay you for these rhymes if I had more money? Will I have more time? Or maybe that's true or just a thin line. But I said, I'm gonna finish this song because I'm on the next flight because I want to be home. Money won't run me. I'm gonna run it. So get your hand out my bag for your time gets spent. I never asked my brother why he's so dope. I already knew. Didn't need to know. I never asked my brother why he pushed snow. I already knew. Didn't need to know. I guess I forgot how to count. I guess I forgot how to dial a phone, auntie. Because I never called. Now you no longer here. You left a son and you was a mother to me. Now he's all alone, but I'm still not calling him. Thinking, Royce, you really that busy? The only thing on my mind was get my son at that heat. The windows didn't go down in that Buick. We needed AC. And Levi was two and he knew it, which was surprising to me. Until I heard his prayer change when that new car came. Like, Lord, thank you for this AC. I could see him in the review, he could see me. I could see him in the review, he could see me. Adults and then kids can see through the smoke. The uh, lies we tell to keep moving in the cope. I pray my sons don't see more than they have to and never doubt who they can be or what they can do. Grow as leaders, trendsetters, and speak truth. Believe in love, have faith, and see it through. Glow in the dark and kindle those that in the night. Speak from the heart and stand with those who can't fight. And never get lost if they do find their true north and remember the hymns their grandmother sung for us. Thanks, guys. So, so I, I wrote that probably at the top of, no, probably like the, the ending of last year. Like I said, I was about f these five years been like being stretched and fooled and uncomfortable, um, faced with some really hard questions. I'm gonna kind of jump through some timelines real quick, kind of leading up to that song. Uh, so 2017, we, uh, Rana, yeah. And it, I kind of deal with quarters of years because I'm on Music Mind, but so like <laughs> around the middle of 2017, no, 2016, I went on tour and made enough money to get us out of this like not great neighborhood. So we bought this place, well, we rented this place that was completely out of our budget, even though we could afford it, it was completely out of our budget. And um, I remember at that point, one of those days, Alton Sterling, was uh, shot and murdered in Louisiana. And a lot of things kind of led up to that point. Um, and I think social media allows a lot of these things to be 
fed to the light a little faster than they were ever fed to the light before. But something was different about that one. I remember putting a show on and going upstairs and bawling. All of the other incidences of racial heated or racial um, killings, whether it was uh, any narrative, I just kind of brushed it off. I remember the first one uh, that kind of was brought to light for me was Trayvon Martin. And I remember saying, ah, oh, he probably deserved it. And like he had a hoodie on in the wrong neighborhood. He probably shouldn't have been in that neighborhood. And that's me saying it as a black guy. Like I, that's what I thought. And so flash forward, stay with me please. I, I shoot buckshot sometimes. So. <laughs> so flash forward to this moment where I'm bawling in the room and I start asking myself these questions I had never asked myself before. And a lot of things happen uh, to me to kind of make me wrestle with wrestle at this point. Um, I started asking myself what I believe. Like, I think I think the biggest question I was asking it was, why isn't my church talking about this? Like, why isn't the church talking about this? Why haven't we t said anything about this? Why hasn't my mom said anything about this? Like, those questions, you know, like. What do we do about this? What what can I do about this? Is this the wrong thing? Why do I think what I thought? All these things started like coming to my head about like the very first thing I said about Trayvon Martin, which was he shouldn't have had a hoodie on. I started thinking about all these things my mom taught me about like, pull your pants up before you walk outside <laughs> and take that hoodie off and don't wear that. And I, I honestly never really thought about these things. And again, try to stay with me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Until I was on tour and this led up to that. I was on tour, opened up for Jeremy Camp, and I saw a part of evangelical Christian America that I've never seen before, and I did not know existed. Um, and what I mean by that is, I did not know there was such a subculture of Christianity that was, that I didn't realize that we pulled ourselves out of culture and said, hey, come hang out with us, instead of let's go hang out with you. And we made our own communities and our own, uh, like, I never really realized that I actually could, I thought it was always a joke, but I didn't realize I actually could be the only black guy in a room of 3,000 believers yelling, you know, every tribe, every nation, you know. It just doesn't make sense, you know. And so, you know, things like that started to make me question, you know, like, what exactly are we doing? What are we doing wrong? Why isn't the church talking about this? These things are happening as we are on tour and no one's saying anything about it. You know, these things are happening as we go to church every Sunday. Uh, flash forward, something else that made me kind of struggle with it is uh, I started talking to my, my nephew. He, at that time, he was probably in prison for about four years. I was really angry at him. And I think some of those things made me wrestle and want to like give forgiveness. So I wrote him a letter and he wrote back and he said, yeah, it's cool, I get it, but I'm Muslim now <laughs> because uh, all my life I always thought Jesus was white. And, <laughs> and, and I'm reading this, and this might sound really simple and really funny, but like I'm reading this, but what's happening in me is like, oh my gosh, 
how do I respond to this? And at that moment, I realized that all my life I've been a Christian that said, it doesn't matter. Follow Jesus. That question, that's cool, but follow Jesus. You have a hard question about evolution? Ugh, follow Jesus. I just, you know, just, you need Jesus. I realized I was a Christian that wasn't having an answer for every question that someone asked you about your hope. You know, that's a scripture that we read and we smile about, but we actually don't have an answer. And if you don't have an answer, then maybe I started wondering, like maybe the answer is, when do you start thinking about this? Why are you thinking about this? Can I wrestle with this with you? All these different things started kind of happening, started having these hard conversations, started, everybody in here, I'm sure, started reading their timeline on Facebook and was like, I thought that friend thought differently. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just like reading all these things. And in a time of, it's hard to smile at people when you walk outside your doors, I found myself smiling more. I found myself having this hope and this joy about who my, who my redeemer is because I started wrestling with these things. Well, I think one thing that kind of tipped it over the edge uh, was while I was on tour, like silently battling some questions uh, a cool friend of mine, he's a friend of mine now, named Sean Groves, you guys should check him out, he's an awesome thinker. Um, he was on the road speaking for uh, Compassion. And he pulls me to the back of the bus and he says, he says, hey, this is gonna sound really dumb, but I never had these feelings before and I need to ask someone that is brown. I was like, huh? <laughs> and he goes, I need, your, I need your black story. And I was like, what? And I've never had this conversation with anybody that didn't look like me. And I've never had this conversation with a believer. Isn't that funny? Like, I'm just thinking about these things now. I'm 20, like, eight at this point. And I've never, like, I've never had a conversation like this. And he says, I had a thought that I never thought before. We just adopted uh, an Indian. He's brown. And before I was leaving for the tour bus, uh, I kissed my two boys. They're like, all right, dad, we're going out. They live in Nashville. And then he said, as they were walking out the door, I was questioning what my son had on, and not my white son, my adopted brown son. And I've never questioned that about any of my children until I've adopted this new brown face that's in my, my house. And so he said, and he starts crying. He's like, I, I've never thought about that. And so I'm wondering, like, what do you call that and how do you handle that? And like, and then as he's like saying this to me, it's like ministering to me at the same time because I'm struggling with these things and we're able to kind of talk and, and, and do something that was incredible because I honestly felt like that was more church. That moment was more church than I ever had ever in my life, sitting on the back of that bus sharing differences and sharing thoughts and sharing opinions and letting the room get a little heated because like heated things stretch, heated <laughs> things grow, you know, uncomfortable things move. So that's kind of when I started really struggling with these things and kind of developing um, a heart and a passion to, to know more 
and and be very vulnerable in, in how I approach my music, and that's kind of how that song kind of came out. There's a lot of things we can talk out about from that song, but, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, I, I mean, my walk with faith, I always tell people, um, you know, I was a good so social justice liberal college student, right, with all the right answers about how to care for minorities and oppressed people, and I had no black friends. And that was a, a hard realization for me, right? Of I had never sat with someone and asked them, what's your story who didn't look like me? And I had a lot of assumptions about what their stories were. Um, never asked them about it, though, <laughs> right? And I think one of the things that I found, and I think when we were talking during the week that you found too, is like these personal realizations usually lead you to realize some larger ones outside of your own, either your own worldview, your own community, or even your own bubble, right? some larger cultural and social and even national world um, realizations about systems and how things work. And I wanted to invite you to play this next song that kind of tackles that. Um, it's a song called T-Shirt Man, Man, and it is phenomenal. And I just want to invite Royce, and it touches on some of that. So, I think the cool thing about music is, um, tell stories, hard topics, and and, and it kind of gets past or gets over or under this wall that we kind of put up sometimes. We're like, whoa, that's too touchy, and then we kind of back up. But listen up now, people. I want to tell you something about a man named Chris, his daughter, and a gun. The story may be heavy and hard for something to take, but if you feel like dancing, that's cause hope is on its way. At that point, sometimes I do like a little dance. Like a that, that's awesome, thank you. <laughs> but I'm sitting down, so. <laughs> the t-shirt man is making a killing. Mm. I'm the killing. Bang, bang. The t-shirt man is making a killing. Mm. I'm on the killing. Bang, bang. Monday morning started off like any other. Except this time, Chris fought with his mother. She found a gun in his backpack that made her mad. And the reason why she was looking, I'll get back to dad now. Nah, Chris been out of school for a while now. He was a bright, kind of cool, not a bad child. But he never really had much of a jump shot. I never knew he sat by his dad at the bus stop. And his mom, she worked hard, two jobs. She was taught to work the system when it got hard. He told the teachers he was dumb for a little more cash. Now he's stuck in homeroom and over remedial class. So it's hard to say if he ever saw his potential. Only thing on his mind was money when the rent due. So with a hardworking mom and father and not a job, the boys next door taught Chris how to rob. See the t-shirt man is making a killing. From mm. on a killing. Bang, bang. The t-shirt man is making a killing. From mm. mm. on a killing. Bang, bang. Now let's get back to this backpack that wasn't really his. See, y'all can't forget that Chris had a kid. And mom, she was mad, she was hot when she saw this. She said, please paint the picture, tell me how you draw this. I know it. He replied with a laugh, you know this. Or didn't you notice we ain't getting no notice? And the lights been kept on and nobody hiring. And she said, oh, you in the game and think that's inspiring? He said, nah, ma, it's not even like that. And I only use this if I got to fight back. Plus, I don't think you know what the gang's really about. They my homies, I'm not in it, but they really help out. Don't you know they keeping all the racist cops out? 
And I'm sure we can agree that killing isn't cool But uh, look at our food and look at our schools Are you gonna tell me this ain't what America want us to do? When a t-shirt man is making a killing From mm -hmm. a killing Bang, bang Said so the t-shirt man is making a killing mm -hmm. From a killing Bang, bang Then after the conversation That's when everything slows down He leaves in his frustration Not knowing what's going down, 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 down then out of affiliation, the bullets rain down Now he's on the ground, wonder what he's gonna do now Can he stand up thinking he can pop a couple rounds And it's over, over What a simple slaughter He stands up checking himself for the bullets And then he realized it went into his daughter Man Help me understand They picking up their cell phones now And who they call? The t-shirt man, see the t-shirt man It's making a killing mm -hmm. Bang, bang. The t-shirt man is making a killing. Mm -hmm. killing. Bang, bang. So up north, usually I, I stop right here and I explain the song a little bit. Because uh, in the south, you know, we uh, when you see those t-shirts with a uh, rest in peace or a face on it that 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 fills our like hallways at college campuses and uh, um, different places around town that's what i'm talking about so i'm saying the only person that's benefiting from any killing anywhere is the person that's making the t-shirts for everybody to wear that's when i say the t-shirt man is making a killing but it's my favorite part of the song right here we ain't got to die no more love is what we're fighting for i know that It's a little known fact. I actually wrote that song. Um, I let Royce play it. <laughs> no, I'm the worst. Um, anyway, <laughs> so one of the things that um, whenever I think of Paul, he always talks about powers and principalities, and we, we always read that in a very spiritual sense, which we should. But I also am always struck by it in terms of systems and, and things like addictions and things like mental illness. And basically, what are the powers that go behind the scenes that rob men of their destiny, right? What are the systems that make it impossible for someone to live out the calling that God has placed on them? Things that they're not in control of, right? And I always feel when I read the gospel and I read Paul in particular responding to it, and he's challenging these diverse communities to, tear, to fight against, to recognize that those don't have power if we can stand against them, right? And I, thought, I always think about that with these conversations. Quite frankly, I thought about that when I first read the lyrics of the song. Um, you were talking about financial assistance, the trap, and in the cycle of that, you were talking about issues of education, like playing that system. And I just wanted to, to pose the question to you of like, what are those systems that kind of you opened your eyes to as you developed your faith and, and wrestled with this? Uh, everything, everything became very personal, and then a light came on. Like things got, I started digging, and then like a light comes on. 
And, you know, as I'm sharing this, I kind of want to reiterate some things like, like search things out, like, like read and ask questions, search things out, dig, figure things out. Um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of folks in here have probably read uh, Case for Christ. And something that he says in there is that if you want to know the whole thing, you have to get the story from every part of the room. And sometimes that means reading books that aren't with a Christian narrative, you know what I mean? Sometimes that means talking to people that don't look like you. So I guess, you know, that, that, that song has a lot of me in it and has a lot of other stories in it to kind of make this piece of topics. Because yeah. throughout the verse, there's these tons of topics because I feel like everything's connected, you know? And like we said at the beginning of this, what we're trying to do is show a conversation yeah. and how it can get uncomfortable and how it can get, you know, weird. But when you're in these conversations, like remember everything's connected. There's something connected to your topic that you want to talk about that you don't know about. And so when you hear that, don't close to it. So I guess one thing we can kind of talk about um, as I was kind of struggling and working through these things, as my life, things kind of shined on my life and I started to realize these things. So, uh, Levi, my now seven-year-old. He's adorable, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. He's, I remember when we first got pregnant, and then we're, like, figuring things out, and then I realized, whoa, it costs money to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, it costs money to keep this thing alive. And I was presented with something that I talked so negatively about and looked down on others about, which was financial assistance. And we don't have a lot of time, so I'm gonna like cut straight to some things, but like, I remember the first time I went to go get groceries and pulled out that card, and I did not, for the death of me, want to pull out that card. I was just thinking about what people were thinking, thinking about what people were thinking about me, and what the things I thought about people. And flash forward, I remember coming to grips with, okay, that's just what's what it is. It's here to help, you know? And then I remember I started doing a little better with shows. And, you know, we every every month you turn in, every few months you turn in kind of like what's going on in your financial world. And then I, we got our, our sum back for what we we're gonna get. And it was like $300 short. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> And then something hit me. It was like, oh, because you're making a little more money, then we take off a little bit more money. And fear immediately like drenched me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, because I need this and they don't understand. And so if I make more money, then I'm gonna lose my security. But how do I make this work? Do I, do I, do I, trick the system do do like what do we do like, do we tell do we tell them that we're separated now do we like like how do we make this thing like and like you can hear in that song i said um chris's mom she she's a great mom she said she, she worked two jobs but then she was taught to work the system when it got hard she was a single mom so what does she have to do to to trick the system. She told the teachers he was dumb for a little more cash, but now she doesn't even realize it. He's stuck in homeroom in a remedial class. And, you know, all these different things, these lights started coming on to me about like what fear can do to you. 
as I'm searching these things out. Because what I'm, what I'm trying, what I, what I was finding out personally is a lot of the things that we're struggling with racially inside our church and inside outside of our church isn't because uh, we look different or do things differently or our finances feel different or are different. It's because the thing that we thought was love isn't actually love, it's security. Like the whole time, my parents, they, they love me, they, 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 they truly do. But how they came up, everybody said this, I've said this, when I get older, I'm gonna work so hard that my kids don't have to do this, and my kids don't have to do that, don't have to do that. And in a way, that's love, but also what you don't wanna do is you don't want to make, turn that love into trying to just make you feel secure. Are you following me a little bit? Mm -hmm. Because what security does, I mean, I as I started realizing these things again, like friends and family were, was telling me that, you know, you're you're going to you're gonna you're you're digging into some stuff and you're gonna become this angry black guy that's out there just ah. <laughs> and I saw some other friends go go down that, but what I started to realize is that my God is so much greater because all these things are wrong because all these things are incorrect. Um, and so I started realizing, oh wow, this is why, this is how financial um, can, can, can make you feel like you're not secure. And so your whole life you're trying to be secure and you're trying to make sure your kids are secure. And then how these systems kind of make you feel inadequate. These systems kind of make you feel like you can't do enough or do more and you're kind of stuck. Um, as I was learning these things, I started doing this very thing right here in different living rooms and a young lady told me this, this cool story um, afterwards because um, she was encouraged and she realized that, you know what, last month I was asked to take a job um, out of town and it was going to pay me more. It was going to pay me $45,000 a year, which is twice as much as that I'm making now. But if I take that job out of town, I don't have family there, I don't have people there, we're gonna lose our financial assistance, and I turned the job down. Because I didn't know, it wasn't a secure job, it wasn't these things. So what I'm trying to like paint a picture here is that a lot of times, and, and anyway, she, she ended up telling me that she's gonna try at it again and she's gonna do it because she realized that it was a fear thing. And and sometimes those fear things can make us blame things on the man, make us blame things on this and that and this. And some, oh, there's so many connecting points <laughs> to this because what happens is when you start doing this, what we're doing, yeah. and we're able to be vulnerable completely, and I'm able to tell you my struggle. If, if you are in a place or know a relationship that can benefit my struggle, that can help us overcome, mm. then then you're able to do that. If, if you're vulnerable with me, and I'm in a place to kind of share, just like on the back of that bus, like sharing like how to overcome and how to uh, see each other's humanity, you know what I mean? Um, the same way that Jesus did, the same way Yeshua asked those questions and, and um, connected with folks. And so inside, inside those songs, you know, you know, I'm pretty sure that Chris, didn't want that. So what Chris saw was that my mother loves me and she works so hard. I don't want her to work so hard. 
And so the boys next door, they taught me how to rob, and mom, the lights have been kept on, and we haven't got an eviction notice. And these things are happening, and I'm justifying the means because I'm looking for security. Like, I, just pausing on that for a second, like, another cool story that came out of, like, these conversations. Uh, now she's a friend of mine, and she has, like, all this really cool wisdom, and she was speaking to me, but she came to one of these conversations, and I remember her kind of stopping it, and, and, and first off, in these conversations, we don't approach it as a Christian thing. I'm a believer, so whatever I whatever I approach, I approach as a believer. So in these conversations, I'm never approaching it as a, this is a Christian conversation. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So she, she just stopped everything because, and she turned some lights on to me, is that, you know, she said, my mother and my father were Black Panther organization leaders in Florida. So I know my stuff. I know I know the scars. I, my parents taught me everything. Like I know the the timeline. I know what happened, when it happened, and who it happened to, and why it shouldn't have happened. And and I'm the I'm the protester. I'm the out there in your face. And every time someone mentioned founding fathers inside of middle school, high school, I cringed. I, I hated them. But right now in this second, I feel sorry for them because I realize that. America wasn't founded on love and these godly beliefs. America was founded on insecure people trying to be secure. And what do you do? Just the same way that, just the same way you, you push someone down so they can't get that corner office. It's the same way you push someone down into in slavery and all these other things. The same way you, you do these, these redlining and economic disparities and because you don't love folks you you don't you don't educate them and because you don't educate them you don't you don't see them in a in a certain light i started realizing all these um these like you said these bigger system yeah. things and instead of making me upset which you know i could easily get upset you know for instance like my father cuz he's been through some things he thinks even me talking about this right now is a little dangerous. He's spoken to me and said, he's been like, I like what you're doing, but I think you shouldn't do it. <laughs> Don't like it that much. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he thinks it's a, in a, a dangerous place. He's like, you should, you know, be careful. You have a family, such and such. And um, so, wait, so what I kind of realized, um, oh, there's so many topics I'm trying to like, just zone in on this one we're talking about. But in these larger systems, um, kind of realizing that these individual things play a role yeah. in how they're all connected. Um, and, and instead of getting upset, I started realizing that what we've kind of done with these subcultures, and remember I was learning all these things over five years. What we've kind of done with these subcultures is we haven't shown God is mighty. We've shown God is good. Or, or pretty awesome in a certain sense. <laughs> we haven't shown him as mighty. The reason why is because we haven't talked about the hard things because we're afraid of talking about the hard things, which makes good conquering naughty instead of good conquering evil. Mm. And so I want to challenge us all, again, you know what I mean, to talk about these hard things. Because when you talk about these hard things and you address evil, then you make God mighty. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when I was reading these things, like, 
you know, talking to my mom, she was like, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, it says one nation under God. And then I go look and I'm like, oh, wow, it actually, that wasn't added to anything until like 180 years after the Declaration of Independence wasn't even written until 180 years after the the, the uh, Revolutionary War. And then that wasn't added to that until like another 120 years. I wrote it down somewhere so I could tell you. Yeah, but don't do the math. You can look math. it up. <laughs> Around World War II. We'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and stuff like that. My, I remember my mom, when she read it, she was like, she was like, oh, wow. And I was like, see, mom, that doesn't make me upset, which, again, I'm trying to encourage you to like go search things out that you didn't know. Um, hindsight, dwelling, it's not dwelling on things. What it is, is learning something because I feel like what happens a lot of times, kind of like that conversation in the back of the bus with Sean, is that he was like, you know, I always felt like I didn't do this. Like I didn't have slaves. I didn't do these things. I wasn't mean. I have black friends. And I was like, I get that because I didn't do a lot of things either. I didn't do this and I didn't do this. And the thing is, is that it's not about the personal thing. The personal thing turns on a revelation for you, but it becomes in 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 addressing like a current state of your community or yeah. a current state of your nation or your world. It becomes wow, a nation did that, a law did that. When you read some laws, you're like, whoa, that was a law. The Native American Removal Act. You're like, yeah, it's like that was me. somebody wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you think about those things now and. You know, we don't talk about some of those things. I, I read something about a week ago. Um, a uh, European country has um, started a new curriculum in high school called Dirty History. Mm. And kind of talking about everything their country did that was, like, evil. And I was like, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Um, so what I'm trying to do is, in this, like, quick time right here, is kind of just encourage you that when something hits you personally or something... Um, hits you and a light comes on, search that out, see what that is, because that's how we can have these these answers for everyone. Um, that's how we can grow and be stretched. When you feel um, like heated or intense or uncomfortable as you're speaking to someone, um, like I probably, because I've been doing this a little bit, I've told a lot of people that I've used financial assistance, assistance up until last year, um, which was a scary thing to kind of let go because, you know, we, we just bought a place and, you know, certain things have kind of gone on and it's just like, oh, there's security net might not be there, you know. Um, but I remember the first time I actually sat down and told someone and it kind of moved some things for her. I remember... Um, and again, you, people are going to think different things. So as I tell this story, so um, a friend of mine, she owns a very successful business. And at the time was when Obama was in office. And she was on Facebook letting it go. <laughs> she was like saying everything she had to say about this new thing that Obama was doing. And about how those how those people and such and such, such and such and such and such. And so I, in the comment section, I just put like coffee. <laughs> 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 and so we met up and I was like, hey, um, you know, we're talking. And I was like, so this is weird to say, but actually that right there is gonna help me out so much. 
And then we just started dialoguing and digging. And it was weird and it was awkward. And I was saying things that I didn't want to tell anybody because it was embarrassing and such and such. And at the end of that conversation, she was just like, um, kind of like the word you use, assumptions yeah. um, earlier. Like she was like, she was like, wow, Royce, like I've known you for five years and I guess I've just assumed everything about you. <laughs> like I didn't know that you came from this or you needed this or that was affecting you. Because in in the grand scheme of things, like something that's going to help someone is going to hurt someone else and something that's going to hurt someone else is going to help someone else. And, and this kind of tug of war we play with yin and yang inside society, inside communities. And what we kind of came out with at the end of it is just, it's kind of back to this love, purpose, security yeah. thing. Yeah. And it just keeps turning around to that because I feel like everything starts at love. And when you love someone, all these connecting points end up. I feel like most of us, again, we have this sense of urgency to feel secure, make our wives feel secure. I remember when we were living on Saxon and like when I would leave for tour and stuff, like just feeling so torn up that my wife has to go stay with her mother while I'm out of town because she doesn't feel secure, doesn't feel safe. Like yeah. when bills were like coming in late and all these different things were kind of going on, just how we struggle with making our people feel secure, making men want their mothers to be secure, like women wanting their children to be secure and their husband feel secure. This security thing is over and over and over and over. When actually what Christ has been telling us all along is that if you love, that's where it is. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would just like to jump on that because yeah. we're coming into like the end of our time. I want to make sure we have the last song that you're going to yeah. play. But I think one of the things that, I've, I've realized in this dialogue that we've done it even at E3, but the last couple of years was that when I don't hear another person, and it's not even agreement, it's that when I turn myself off to even listening to their story, like I fundamentally fail to love, you know, and that is true on, on a system level, a national level, but even a personal, like, you know, I remember in seminary, there was a moment <laughs> where I'm like, I've never read a book by someone who was not white in Norwegian, which is apparently the only people God ever spoke to. <laughs> I had no idea. But what I, I came to kind of recognize was this concept of like, I only see God through my own lens, right? Yeah. And then I try to go into my world with the gospel. I try to engage the world in its brokenness and its, and its evil. And how can I? Because I've only seen a shard of a mosaic and I'm telling myself that's the infinite God, right? Yeah. And I think... Um, you know, that really hit home for me with some of this justice stuff. I had an African-American teacher, a professor, one of the smartest men I ever knew. And he, he, we were talking about the Exodus story. This is going to be really funny. It's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. But he was talking about the plagues. And I was like, I've never heard the plagues of the Exodus ever preached in a church. And he's like, yeah, that's because you go to a church that identifies with the Pharaoh. And you don't want to hear about how God stands up for the oppressed and justice. And I just went, <laughs> like, oh. and suddenly an entire different version of the gospel opens up which is that god cares about justice he cares yeah. about liberation right yeah. and and i do think that when i live in a space where i don't uh, it's hard for me to love yeah. you know because it's hard for me to even humanize someone who's different than me it's almost like they become objects and i'm a subject right completely yeah completely what I, what I realized in that room as I was crying was that I was, I've been so concerned with winning that I forget to love completely. Yeah. And I'm writing these songs about love and caring for folks, but I'm actually not loving and caring for my nephew. I didn't speak to him for four years. Yeah. 
because I was angry at something. Yeah. And it, it, I didn't want to take the time to do certain things. But when you don't hear people, like I was, as I was kind of developing these things, like uh, someone asked them, okay, she said, you know, um, what do you think of, they were throwing rocks through the windows and this, that, and the third. And it was like, yeah, I get it. Because what do you do when like you're not heard? Yeah. And so that kind of hit home because like, you know, how many men in here have like, like raised their voice past the level that they should have to their wives, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or wives the same, or punched a wall. Like I'm being very vulnerable. I've punched many walls in conversations, not conversations, in arguments um, with, with the person that I love the most. And the reason why is because we're trying to figure out how we get this rock and this rock to become one and communicate when we're not understanding how to communicate. And to be able to communicate, the only way you can do that is by being vulnerable. And if you're not invulnerable with your intentions and vulnerable with your heart, then how can the other person give you what you're looking for? You know, respond to you how you need to be responded to. And that's when you get the 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 knockout uh debates and and the 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 flames in the streets. And like did you know I didn't know there was like actual tanks going down the streets of LA at one point. Uh, over like ra like tanks over like racial issues like like everything is also like in regions too so like I was realizing like the way people handle racial things in you know South Florida is in the same way they handle racial things in Georgia or Alabama or California or Portland Oregon like all these things and like the belief of how uh, Christians are to respond to those things. And so again, like, I was in this search. I never, ever talked to my grandmother about anything besides, how you doing, grandma? Uh, you gonna bake me a cake or something? And when I started realizing is I need to speak to everybody. So I started talking to my grandmother and getting all these amazing stories. And then I realized that all this time I had this hero in front of me that I never knew of. And so I want to encourage everybody to like go speak to someone older than you. Go speak to someone like and share your story, share your thoughts. Like up until talking about this stuff, I never knew that my dad had had, had like these violent racial um uh encounters where he was like, you know, running from guns and things like that, like because he was afraid to talk about it and and all these things. Cause cause see what I want to say real quick is that just like in the medical world, like they say like diseases are passed down through the refrigerator, not through like the actual DNA. Like because the reason why they say, um, did your grandmother have this or such and had this? Because doctors are betting that you're eating the same stuff that your grandparents ate and that they ate and they ate and they ate. And that's the same thing is that we teach our children and they teach their children and they teach their children. And until someone says, hey, I wanna love differently, this love thing obviously isn't working because we overcome by two things the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. And if nothing's wrong with the blood of the lamb, then something has to be wrong with the word of our testimony. Amen. <laughs> so, so she was telling me these things, you know, black woman raised in the 30s. And she was like, uh, she got up every day to love. And she had to do it, although all these things were going around around her. Because if she didn't love, then her children wouldn't know how to love. And so I wrote this song. And uh if you, if you can, sing it with me. It's kind of cool. It goes like this. It goes, up for love, say, up for love, just like that. Up for love, little easy, say, up for love, right there, go. Up for 
love, okay. Yeah. Up for love. Yeah, yeah. Up for love. All right, I'm gonna tell you when to come in. I wanna be fly, 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 floating through the sky like a dream. When they say I can't fly, 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 I'ma smile and show them my wings. Leap frog through the clouds, never been in with the crowd. So proud to be myself, yes, I gotta do me. Get out, hit the streets, spread love, cause the world really needs some help, yo. I don't need a witness, don't need your forgiveness. Forgiving my heart so you can rip it apart. It'll still be strong even when I'm not home. I'm connected to love, and if you think that it's wrong, I don't wanna be right. Bruh, I'm taking a flight, bruh, above negativity and bad advice. I open my eyes, so I'm hot off life. The best things are free. I never look at the price. Listen, I'm glad to be alive today, to hug my son, to live my life and have some fun, to touch the sky and feel the clouds. Yeah, my soul is free. I want to say it loud. Be alive today, hug my son, live my life. Yeah, so I wrote this because every day I want to be up for love. So sing this with me. It's easy to say. The mothers and the fathers up for love. The sisters and the brothers. The daughters and the sons. Yeah, the daughters and the sons. See, when the skies are gray, we up for love. And money in my A, we up for love. And when the bills get late, we up for love. We still find our way, cause we up for love. Listen, I wanna be fly, 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 fly. Floating through the sky like the wind. Some people ask why, 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 why. I never really follow with the trends. Gotta be myself, triumphant and true. Don't need the wealth, a lot of love will do. And if the skies are great, I consider them blue. Cause if it's under the sun, bro, it ain't nothing new. And yes, I'm feeling so special, yeah. Knowing I got a reason to live, so let peace be the vessel. Oh, oh, spread love, there's a lot to give. So if you're hearing my voice, that means you're making a choice to keep steady your path. So come roll with Royce and let your soul rejoice. Yo, yo, forget about the pain, because everybody gets a little rain. And I'm glad to be alive today, to hug my son, to live my life and have some fun, to touch the sky and feel the clouds. Yeah, my soul is free, I want to say it. The mothers and the fathers up for love, the sisters and the brothers up Love. The daughters and the sons, yeah, the daughters and the sons. See, when the skies are gray, I'm up for love. When money in my A, I'm up for love. And when the bills get late, I'm up for love. Yeah, 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 y'all say. Nothing can bring you down when you're walking in the clouds. What a way to live a life. Uh, and we can do it till we get it right, yeah. Nothing can bring you down when you're, when you're trying to live that love life out, you know what I mean? We're gonna mess up, but I love the part that uh, we can do it till we get it right. So the mothers and the fathers up for love. The sisters and the brothers up for love. The daughters and the sons up for love. The daughters and the sons, we up for love. When the skies are gray, I'm up for love. And money in my A, I'm up for love. And when the bills get late, I'm up for love, I'll find my way, cause I'm up for love, yeah. Yeah, so, appreciate it. <laughs> um, so I just kinda wanna encourage everybody to like, I feel like everybody wants three things in life, love, purpose, and security, so find love, and love will reveal your, your purpose, and then your purpose will bring you security, instead of doing it the opposite way and be vulnerable and just talk to people because that's exactly what Yeshua did. So let's actually do what Yeshua did.